You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. This week we are talking rice. Food director Carl Lolly Music and Emil Stonic, uh, editor of our website, basically discuss the best way to make a perfect pot of white rice. Not brown, apparently, just white. How to riff on pilaf, how to crisp up rice so that it gets all oily and crunchy and delicious, uh, and a whole lot more. And apparently they even touch on the validity of house slippers. I have not listened to this segment yet, so I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it's interesting. Uh, after that, I sit down with Richard Lawson, film and TV critic for Vanity Fair. Uh, he also hosts Vanity Fair's podcast, Little Gold Man, because it's Oscar season right now. It's Oscar week, actually. Oscars is coming up this Sunday. So Richard and I talk uh, about all things movies and food because they go together, you know, kind of like peanut M&Ms and uh, popcorn. Uh, oh, yeah. And you can even tune into Little Gold Men podcast, um, uh, wherever you get your podcast from. And you can hear our own Carla Lolly music on a recent episode. All right. Speaking of Carla, let's do this. Here is Carla and Emil. Rolling. Rolling. Rice, rice, baby. Rice, rice. The time is rice. The time is rice. The time is rice to talk about rice. Rice on. Rice on. Is there anything ricer than a pot of nice? Oh, boy, oh, boy. God, we're back. The thing we have in common is that we both love Rice. L-O-V-E. Also, Love. it's kind of funny that the last one we did together was beans, mm-hmm. and now it's rice. And now it's so rice. So should the next one be like sour cream? Mm. <laughs> All things. Oh, I would love to do an entire podcast on sour cream. That sounds so good. Rice and beans and sour cream. Yeah. Mm. If, I, if I could replace all of the yogurt in my life with sour cream, sure. how much more? Anyway, back to rice. <laughs> rice. We're here to talk about rice. I think of us... As rice enthusiasts, me and you. by no means, yeah, by no means rice experts, but you know, I feel like we both know. Our- I'm a great lover of rice. I've played this game with many people, but I will. I don't know if we've ever done it. So if you had to choose, rice between, or bread, rice. No, no oh. rice or pasta. Oh, rice. Yeah, you know why? Mm. It's a whole grain. Oh, that's so nice. And it's a non-processed food. That's true. And it's just so delicious. It's so delicious. It hasn't been a messed with well that's not true sometimes well, you, you know, wash like, it yeah. you hull it you and do the, the things rice, it's yeah like they're taking the outside <laughs> off so it's like you know it's been a little bit dealt with but you know it's like processed as much as like you know the tomatoes that were taken off the vine right yes well it's different it's, but 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 if i weren't feeling well and someone gave me a bowl of buttered rice mm. i would be i would feel so much better i would feel a lot better I feel a lot better right now if somebody handed me. I some know. Why don't we have? Rice. I don't know when it happened for me, but like rice with butter and parm Ooh. became like my like baby food, getting over sickness kind mm. of, with a lot of black pepper. That sounds really good. Yeah. Wait. So hold on. We have to we have to narrow our purview right now because rice giant category, wild rice, which is not even rice. No, that's grass. Brown rice. Different thing. I think we should stick. I think so we should, many different kinds of white rice. I know, I know. So I think we should just. I think we should just stick to white rice, for for now. Ooh, short grain, long grain. Well, I think we can. I think we can explore the whole field. Okay, I guess that's fine. Well, so I mean, to me, I feel like rice, white rice. You know, for the range from like basmati to like sushi rice. It's like a. It's like a spectrum from sticky to fluffy. 
and then short and long. Let's talk about short grain, <laughs> short grain white rice. Okay. How, are you are you a rice cooker person or are you a No, I'm not. Person? I have a certain amount of space that I'm willing to commit to appliances. Mm-hmm. And currently the those commitments have been made and mm-hmm. are solid. However, so I make rice in a pot just like Carol Lolly. Mhm. Carol Lally being your mother. Yes, indeed. She makes a great pot of rice. Also, I did have a rice cooker for a really short amount of time, but maybe it wasn't a great quality one. Mm. And I never really got, I never, I just didn't, we didn't, we didn't communicate. Uh huh. Right. And the rice wasn't better. In fact, the rice was worse. And okay. it had made me soak the rice. And I was like, I don't what? understand. Yeah. But in the kitchen, we do use kind of the Cadillac of rice cookers. The we have the like, the Zojirushi, like, you know, Escalade, basically. Right. And it is... The one that says Fuzzy Logic on it? Yeah, it has Fuzzy Logic, and it Nobody does all... it does. <laughs> no, we don't... It, but it does a great job at what it right. does. But it is the size of, like, a small Corvette. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? The smallest Corvette. Well, it's bigger than... It's, like, a sh- bigger it's, than a shoebox. It's a Corvette for a cat. It's big. <laughs> anyway, so who has that kind of space? Not me, but I, we do, on a daily basis, usually in the kitchen, make a pot of rice or some sort of grain mm-hmm. in or the rice cooker. So I know that they're fantastic. They're just not in my personal life. Yeah. What about you? We have a rice cooker, but it's like a 10 cup rice cooker. It's pretty giant. Does that mean 10 so cups cooked? 10, 10 cups raw. Oh, wow. Raw, uncooked. Yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't call it raw. But yeah. Yeah, but it's- so, so it's like 20 cups of cooked. Right, and so Lauren, my fiance, mm-hmm. grew up in a rice cooker household where there was just always a rice cooker. Every day. It wouldn't necessarily even be made every day. This is kind of like, a, this is a point of contention between us. She would, she'll eat rice cooker rice, not on the stay warm setting, just hanging out in the rice cooker for like days afterwards. How many days? Like three days? I would definitely eat it the next day. If it's just hanging out in there? Yeah, sure. Okay, well- Lauren, if you're listening, you've been validated. But I, think, I don't know about four days. Well, four days is really so. So we've got the rice cooker. Lauren prefers to make it in the rice cooker, which is fine. But I still think like making one or two cups of rice in the ten cup rice cooker is it's a little bananas. Kind of wild, right? So I've got my like little stob rice pot for mm-hmm. like one or two cups of rice that I really like. It's nice and thick. I I also had a I had a rice cooker when I was in college graduated from college, moved into my first apartment, managed to lose the rice cooker, and then was just like completely just depressed because yeah. I, I could have no rice. I didn't know how to make it. Mm. And every time I made it in a pot, it was always too sticky or right. it was mushy or it was crunchy or whatever. And then I found on bonappetit.com the perfect pot of rice. Amazing. The recipe. Yeah. Which is I mean, like, it I just believe, has, does it have my byline on I it? I think it might. I think it was from the Korean grilling story. And uh, so that's because no, the Korean no? grilling story was pre. Oh, that was chopstick ready that rice. Was chopstick ready rice. Which is also good. And this and I think that I think the perfect pot of rice recipe actually calls for long grain. But it's what I use for long grain, short grain, any any white rice. OK, so walk just, us through it. What is your white rice of choice in the in the um, stonic domicile? I, norm- I normally get, we get the like 15 pound bags of the cocoa rose from the H Mart or the or another Asian grocery store. It's normally with like with the red on mm-hmm. it. It's from California. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, not super. You know, it's not like super expensive. but It's not like cheap, cheap. Right. Nice whole grains, mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. bits, and no, 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 no. 
And so that recipe does not call for rinsing. Right. But I often do. You know, and sometimes I don't rinse. And, you know, when I don't rinse, can I necessarily tell? I'm not totally sure. But, you know, in packet processing and packaging and getting shaken up on trucks and whatever, the rice gets banged around. And so there's kind of like a fine layer of rice dust mm-hmm. all over everything. So that And that's necessarily kind of starchy. Mm-hmm. When that gets combined with the water and it gets cooked, the, the rice tends to be a little bit stickier mm-hmm. and kind of less or maybe gummier, like right. less individuated. So I rinse, but I don't rinse. I, I don't think that recipe actually calls for rinsing. There's the method, you know, what like Andy Baragani will do where he's like got the rice in a pot and he's like putting water on it and then mess, shaking it around mm-hmm. and then pouring it off mm-hmm. and repeating that over and over again. That really drives me crazy. And I also feel like I the, the there's still water in it. Right. So I normally just put it in a sieve. And then just run and just rinse it. water over it. And that's so kind of I my So I think like... the reason um, why you there's a benefit to putting that sieve over a bowl of water and doing your rinsing mm-hmm. kind of in a contained environment is because you can keep an eye on what's happening with that water. Right. So if you're going for mm. not quite clear you know, or somewhere in between, or you want it, comp- you want that water really running clear that you're not going to really be able to tell if you just have the faucet running through the sieve. Totally. But it sounds like you've got like a pretty laissez-faire approach at home. You know, you're in some, some state of relaxation. There's music. There may be, you know, like music, there's dancing. There's da- <laughs> There the may can or may cans. not be shoes. There may be an alcoholic beverage. Always something. shoes. Yeah. Always shoes at home, really? Yeah. You shoes. have a house shoe? I grew up in a shoes-on household. We Wait, all- like your outside shoe is on inside? Yeah, we weren't allowed to be... I mean, you could be barefoot, barefoot, but yeah. you could not be in your socks in the Stonic household. And you don't have a this- house shoe at home currently? Uh, I've got a slipper. Sometimes I'll put a slipper on. Oh. But, you know, I mean, this is... Yeah. Anyway, so Anyways. you're, like, doing your thing, and you're jamming out with your shoes on, and I your drink like on. people ask me to take my <laughs> shoes off, unless they're going to provide me with some kind of a house shoe That's as a how, guest. But this is your own house. This is my own house. I literally bring my house shoe with me when I go to stay in hotels. When I go to shoes off households, <laughs> I bring my slippers sometimes. If I if it's been announced previously that it's a shoes off I household. once read that Oprah, if you go to stay at Oprah's house and you're a guest... Then in your bedroom, you will find slippers of all sizes. Yo, that's what <laughs> I've never thought that my aunt Mariola and Oprah had something in common. When you go to my aunt's house, which is also her acupuncture practice, she has oh, a giant woolen slipper that is full of pairs of woolen, like felted wool slippers um, in many different sizes. Amazing. Backless. And so you just, because she doesn't, you just she also, right into it. for different, she doesn't believe in wearing your outside shoes in the house, but also doesn't believe in being barefoot. She right. She thinks it's bad. I'm with you. It's bad for you. and it's Bad juju. Bad juju. Okay. So, so. you're at home. You're rinsing rice. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm going to take off a little bit of this excess starch, but I'm not right. going totally crazy. I'm rinsing it. But then some rice also does have just more of a glutinous property to it. So totally. sushi, Japanese rice, short grain. I know we're sort of all over with the grains, but also arborio mm-hmm. and cannaroli, like the rices that are typically used to make um Risotto. Uh, risotto. And when I worked at um, one of the restaurants I worked in, we used we actually used a Japanese short grain rice to make risotto because oh. it had all of those same starchy properties, which is also why you stir it the whole time because you're agitating it and you're like encouraging that mm. surface starch to come off and make that, 
you know, nice creamy sauce. So you would not rinse for risotto? No. And then when I did the Korean grilling primer and I interviewed six different chefs and I asked them all how they make rice, every single one of them, first of all, said they do it the way their mother does it. So that was like, it was like right. the funny, you know, I think that cooking rice for a lot of people is like cooking eggs. Like it might totally. seem like this incredibly simple thing, but everybody's afraid they're going to ruin it. It's one of the beginning cooks, like it's going to burn on the bottom. I'm going to scorch the pan. How much water? How long? Uncovered, covered, all of these things. Once you figure out what works for you, you know, it works. Right. And that's, that's like why this, me- this method yeah. for me is like, once I like learned how to do it that way, it was like, there's no... There's no changing. Okay, you know? so you've got your cocoa rose. You got the cocoa rose. Get you it in the Get a sieve. little rinsey rinse. Give it a little rinsey rinse. You know, I mean, if I you're had... more of like an ambient. It's just like an atmospheric rinsing. Right. It's just kind of you know you're just running water over it. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I don't want to wash the other. I don't want to wash another bowl yeah. or like you know it's just it's whatever. So, one cup of rice, rinsey rinsey, into the pot with one and a quarter cups mm. of cold water. Interesting. And oh, before that though, I'll put a pinch of salt. I'll put a pinch of salt, all, like kind of over the rice, and then so then when you put the the water in, it just kind of like absorbs the salt, so it's not the salt in like one place. You okay, know? cool. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it sounds that, maybe that's cosmic, just, that's but just like the, whatever, just, just <laughs> whatever cosmic. works for you. Bring it up to a boil. Uh huh. As soon as it starts to boil, drop it down to the bare simmer, lid on it, eighteen minutes. What on the dot? Whoa. Take the pan off the heat. Uncover. Do not uncover at any point. Never. In that if you uncover or stir, you've already ruined it. You might as well just order. Give it deliver. to the pigs. Yeah. <laughs> give it to the pigs. I like. I'm like. I'm really enjoying this idea of my apartment <laughs> right now. Where they're like, we're doing the can can. We're drinking tropical drinks. There are pigs. Woolen slippers for everyone. Woolen slippers for you. Get woolen slippers and you get woolen slippers. So 18 minutes. Uh huh. Pull it off. Yeah. Take the lid off. Is this what the perfect pot of rice recipe? It is. It is. These Does are it your say words. Eighteen minutes. Eighteen minutes. That's so funny. Eighteen minutes. It works every time. Eighteen minutes. Then wrap the lid mm-hmm. in a clean kitchen towel, and then put the lid back on. And you're not fluffing. You're not doing anything like that. Wrap the towel around the lid. Put it back on. Off the heat. Yeah. Wait ten more minutes. That is, and that is a purely humidity absorbing method right so you've gone from this place where there's like a lot of steam and moisture in it and now you're trying to absorb some of that excess but moisture. you want your hermetic you're still hermetically sealed in there there's still steaming going on but but that those droplets are not going back into the rice no no they're going right yeah. in that towel and then you know it's like 10 minutes is when i'll start you know you could but it's just going to stay warm and nothing weird is going to happen so it's like sometimes it'll sit for 20 minutes yeah it'll sit for 30 minutes whatever right. and then take that lid off and fluff up these perfect it's it's got that perfect kind of like in between sticky fluffy where it's like you can eat it with chopsticks right but it's not like it's not a mush there you've got individual grains that are stuck together and so that's what rachel yang described as chopstick ready rice which Mm. was like enough where it will you can still grab it with the end of chopsticks and it's not going to just be individual grains just going falling hither and nither Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. thither but it's also not so gluey that like you said it it just kind of all like mashes up together right you know the thing that i learned when i was talking to all of these chefs about rice they were all using a short grain white rice they were all doing a method of rice that was you know similar to your fiance beyonce you know every day there was rice every single day and no one ever measured anything right so the way that people would measure was either by 
you always made it in the same pot so you knew where the water line should be and then there was the finger test which I thought was just like fascinating and a bunch of different people said this where you would put the amount of rice in that looked right and then put water in and then put your finger into the pot and then if the water came up to like a certain part of your knuckle knuckle, or like above the surface of the rice to like a certain knuckle then that was like the right amount of water but everybody also said if you open the pot up and the rice is done and there's too much water like boil it off right and if you open it up and the rice is still tough but the water's gone then add more water water. and put the lid back on um and i thought that that was really a great thing to hear because it is such this intimidating thing i think what that reflects too is like like you said like an intimate relationship with your process and it's like my aunt pritha makes a lot of rice a lot of long grain rice she's cooking it in the same pot every time so it's like she's not measuring she's just throwing it in there she's got her like she knows where her finger is supposed to go and like how much it's supposed to be but you know for me and you know i have my method at home but i still feel like having that ratio having that like one cup of rice to one and a quarter cup of water thing and that being like one cup of rice one and a quarter cup of water 18 minutes 10 minutes that's the thing that i can remember and it'll be the same every time and you know i think in in order to have that kind of flexibility you have to have like almost an even more intimate relationship I'm more it. of a one-to-one person with all of my white rice. Yeah, oh, this one-to-one. Is your, you taught me how I know. to make rice. I'm just like, I, I don't know. It's amazing when you go back and you think and you're like, 18 minutes, where the heck did I get that from? But one-to-one. One-to-one and a like reason. 11 minutes. 11? Yeah. Always for short grain, which mm. I'm also rinsing a little bit. The other thing that's really good to do that I didn't know but it totally makes intuitive sense. Like beans and like other grains, you should let the rice sit for 10 minutes, 20 minutes in the water. Hold the phone. Yeah, true story. And it will just cook more evenly. So you're kind of like giving it a mini soak. Mini soak. Mini soak. And then- and then Un petit soak. Some people drain and then let the rice sit. Well, who did you hear? This is also- So there was from... Ed Lee from Chicago, uh-huh. Rachel Yang in Seattle- then there was Chef Takashi from Takashi Restaurant, who very sadly passed away this past year. Really nice guy. Oh. He said his grandmother would rinse it, drain it, and then let it sit for half an hour. And so he was teaching me how to do it. And right. I said, oh, that's really interesting. How come you let it sit for half an hour? And he just laughed and said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like that, too. It's like, it's just that's how she did it. So right. that's how I do it. And the other thing that, and th- these were all Korean American chefs, so that's a sort of a specific um, thing. But nobody put salt in their in their rice, you know. And so mm-hmm. I stopped doing that too. I used to always put rice, and then I the Carol Lolly way is that you put not only rice, but you put like a tablespoon of butter mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in there when it's cooking, and so it's like buttery rice from the beginning. There is a school of thought that like the rice is when everything else on the table is like really aggressively seasoned and flavor forward that rice is your kind of like the blank canvas totally which i totally get that too but i love salted rice i know you know it's like i lauren often you know her mom who's part korean and part filipino does not put any salt in the rice and i because you taught me how to make rice 
this one recipe from, you know, whatever, 2011 or something like that, mm-hmm. that you don't even remember, <laughs> said to salt it, so I put the salt in it. I like it salted, too. I like it, you know. Another I like it both ways. Another thing that is delicious, I don't know if you've ever done this, but tomato rice, where you can take some of the, like, if you ever drain off the liquid from your can of San Marzano tomatoes, oh. or you have like a day old or a seconds tomato and you can just like grate that up Mm. putting some of that to replace some of the liquid with tomato water so you just put it in like the measuring cup and then exactly so if you have like half a cup of tomato liquid and then you supplement with the rest of the water and then you get tomato rice that sounds very good that would be good with the sour cream that sounds very you know I really that's that makes me think of one of my favorite ways to eat rice which Which is is. which is with buttered tomatoes on top ooh oh yeah you did that Buttered tomato recipe. recipe. That was really good. Just like butter, tomatoes, rice. Yum. Mm, So So good. But you're also bringing up an interesting point, too, which um, Adam wanted to talk about. He likes- Adam Rappaport. Adam Rappaport. Our boss. Our boss. Mm -hmm. He was talking about, you know, sauteing a little bit of onion, garlic, before you did all of the- Putting the rice in there. And to me, I was like, that's a pilaf. He was like, that's not a pilaf, just a little bit of onion. I'm like, <laughs> it's 100% a pilaf. If you're adding stuff, you're sizzling aromatics, yes. and then you're adding the rice in, and you're kind of getting it to that where it's almost translucent, yeah. and then you're adding the liquid. Yeah. That's a pilaf. 100%. 100%. Which is a great, a great, great thing. And you can also add dry spice to the beginning of mm. that. You can put some paprika, as we were discussing mm-hmm. earlier. You curry could put powder. a little curry powder. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little turmeric or a little bear bear. It would be great. Yeah. Sumac, whatever. Ooh. Coriander, cumin. What are you going to do? Yeah, the more the merrier. Claire Saffitz did a whole peel-off like, matrix thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, And I so that, that should be online, too. And that's that's really nice. And that is, like, a little more luscious. And it's very flavored. And, like, they come out really shiny and right. super classic in its own way. The other mm-hmm. thing that I love to do, and I really only started doing in the past couple of years, is taking cooking rice like early in the day and a rice cooker would be really perfect for this and then you know pressing it into like an onigiri shape so like making a little little patty out of it yeah whatever Mm -hmm. it doesn't but it could be a circle or a thing Mm -hmm. but where it needs to have some of that glutinousness Mm -hmm. gluten glutinous property to Mm -hmm. it so it'll hold together still gluten-free nobody freak out (laughs) don't worry and then grilling that rice if you're grilling it's i mean grilled grilled rice is like i mean it's everything it's crispy it's smoky it is delicious in every way and that is just that just became i mean i could just eat the rice i could just eat the rice similarly love taking the rice it's been hanging out for a little bit forming into a little thing yeah and then giving it just a little Sear. Crispy crisp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which with, is really nice. With and a little chicken fat. Do you use like a, a nonstick skillet for that? Um, Yeah, I normally would. Yeah. There are a lot, you know, I find myself ghee, using my nonstick ghee, skillet. Fat. Yeah, all those more little bits of fat. Often. Yeah. Do you just, just save every time you make a braise or every time you're like making chicken thighs? Do you save your animal fat besides bacon? I know a lot of people save bacon fat. It depends on the situation. Yes. Normally, yes. If I, I like, especially if I like, seared off like a bunch of um, something with some like beefy fat like mm-hmm. dry aged fat and then you've got that or like you or you like trimmed you know some little oh, fatty like, parts yeah. off a steak and then you just Melt render that, that and like mm-hmm. the, that, the cute little cast iron they don't really use for anything else <laughs> just on the back when you just have that it's good to have that and it's that is delicious that. for crisping it's up it's good rice. to have that a podcast from <laughs> Garland Emile that chicken with the ginger and the scallions which also Adam and I talked about on a different episode yeah chicken with crispy rice 
So you have chicken stock. You rinse the rice. You put the rice in the skillet, in a nonstick skillet, and you're cooking it in the stock. Oh. And then once the rice is tender, 10 minutes, then you it's covered continue reducing it. Yeah. And the rice is cooked. You take the lid off, and then the residual chicken fat like goes down to the bottom the liquid is boiled off and then you just really need to like just trust what's happening listen to it it starts making little it goes from making like the burbling noises to making the little crackling noises and it's a little dry yeah and then the underside is like so golden brown and crispy Ooh, chicken rice it's like the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. because you've got the tender and you've got the crispy yeah well we really covered a lot of ground yeah. Not actually that much ground. No, we covered a little bit of grain. A little bit of grain. We, Just one grain at a time. Rome wasn't built on a on grains. I feel like we should this should there this is rice part one. Rice part one. I mean yeah. there's like those multi part podcasts, right? Yep. So you could just come back and be like, We actually talked about nothing. Yep. <laughs> you just want a little us in like just little bite size pieces, just like a like a chopstick full of rice. Just one little bit of rice. One kernel of wisdom at a time. <laughs> so I think we should just do another rice because really we didn't even get into any of the long grain rices, any of the Mm-mm. Persian rices, any of the, there's so many there's, things. There's we didn't so steam rices. rice. We we're all about, that's not steamed rice I know, really. that's confusing because people always call that steamed rice and it's not steamed rice. I mean, there is steam. There's steam. And but there's rice. also like, you know, yeah. More mm-hmm. liquido. More, more liquido. I want to make rice. I want to make rice. Love rice. Black rice we didn't Ooh. talk about. Green rice. What? Yeah, you know the green, the jade green Oh, yeah, rice. beautiful. Bingo, bingo, And then bingo. wild rice, which is grass. <laughs> <laughs> Pass on the grass. Emil, I hope they let us do this again. Uh, That's how I feel kind of like every God time willing. we do work. I know, I know. Signing off. Signing off. Thanks, Carla. So- this year, it seems like a, a good Oscar year. Would you say that? I would say so. I think it's it's the most kind of open-ended that we've had in a long time. Like, I feel like last year there was Moonlight or La La Land. There was Spotlight or The Revenant the year before. There was a, kind of a binary thing. I watched three minutes of La La Land on a plane recently. Uh-huh. And I was, just like, I, it's one of those, I was just like, I can't deal with, like, these musical <laughs> on a freeway. I was just like, I know. And I just turned yeah. the channel and watched like Avengers or something. Sorry. I think that movie was sort of a love it or leave it proposition yeah, for I a lot of it. people. Yeah, so there's just a there are a lot of smaller movies that all seem somewhat equally footed in terms of like will they win Best Picture or or whatnot, which is exciting. It's 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 consternating for people like myself who you know have to sort of predict these things and and act like experts. And basically, all we can say this year is I don't know. Um, <laughs> but like I think as a film goer, yeah, it's been well. A there's good year. there's two approaches as as a critic there's what you would like to see win yeah. and there's then there's what you think will win exactly and i think that in years past i have followed my heart instead of my head in predicting and then been proven totally wrong so right. i think you have to be more cynical about it right. we're, we're going to come back to the, your predictions but mm-hmm. first first question real question is where will you be watching the oscars this year I wish I had a, an exotic, exciting answer. A lot of my colleagues will be out in L.A. because Vanity Fair has the big Oscar party. I will be on a couch in Brooklyn by myself. <laughs> yeah. What do you have to do to make the cut? Do you yeah. know? I, I don't know. I've been, <laughs> I've, been, I've been at this company four and a half years. I still do not know the answer to that. Yeah. You don't even get to ask the question. No. Uh, all right. So will you have friends over or are you like, I'm working tonight. Yeah. I've got to be on. I used to have friends over. I used to have a little thing every year. But you know, increasingly, because it's such a work night, um, I find that... 
Uh, it's not so much that I'll be distracted if I have friends over. It's that I don't want to immediately after the show ends be like, okay, you all have to leave because I have to write something. You literally, the, yeah. Are you expected to be tweeting during the show? There's no expectation of tweeting, but they because they know that I will be doing it. Yeah, anyway. it's just, it's <laughs> they just, know that I'm a hopeless addict. And, just yeah. reflexively. Right, yeah. I enjoy Oscar night. I like getting together with people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we go to our friends, Michael and Cheryl's, and they have a, a thing, and they invite a whole bunch of people over, kind of potluck style, and, and you bring dishes. It's interesting because I always reflexively compare Oscar parties to the Super Bowl. Sure. Because yeah. they're only about a month apart or so. And little, the Oscars. A little bit more. Yeah, no, about a month, yeah. And the exactly. Oscars have been called the gay Super Bowl. I mean, the gay, it's, okay. it's a thing. There you go, yeah. see? Yeah. I kind of expect the food to be a little chicer, a little bit more Hollywood, don't you? Yeah, you you know, you've got Wolfgang Puck doing his thing for the for the for the governor's ball or whatever. So yeah, you want a little of that class to trickle down to your home party. But it's it's more difficult because I think people are so focused on like puns or things that relate to the movie that they don't actually think about the the cuisine maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I I I go more cocktail than like I was drinking Bud Light at the Super Bowl. I will not be drinking Bud Light at the, no. at the Oscars. Yeah. I'll, maybe yeah. I'll make, make myself like a vodka martini or something. That you know, like great. you kind of yeah. want that 1940s Hollywood glamour. Sure. And you're in full tux, right? Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, just like the Hollywood uh, cover of the uh, Vanity Fair issue. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Tales, tales, of course. <laughs> you have um, Annie come over to your house, shoot, yeah. shoot some photos. Me, yeah. me, me, and, me and Channing Tatum hanging out in, in white tie. So like last year, I ended up making, well, there's only four of us, my wife, son, and our friend Gabe, and I made B.A.'s Best Fried Chicken Sandwiches. And so this is like kind of, you know, everyone's fried chicken sandwiches are everywhere these days. Yeah. And you sort of marinate these. We did thighs. You can do thighs or, or, or boneless breasts. Uh, the recipe is on bonappetit.com for BA's best fried chicken sandwiches. You do a whole marinade, buttermilk, hot sauce sort of thing. And then you do you ever make, do you ever, do you ever do like fried chicken or anything? I, I, I don't because I'm a little scared of the, the oil and yeah, everything like I that. Yeah, I get that. You know? But it's pretty easy. You, you set up a little dredging station. Right, right. So you, you take the, 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 the breasty sort of thing or, or thigh, dip it in seasoned flour, shake it off. Then it goes into an egg wash, which is just beaten egg, right. seasoned dip that and then the third one goes back into flour but the key i don't know if, it's, if he's falling asleep right now or if no he's intently I'm, interested. I'm wrapped i'm wrapped and then the yeah. key is in that third that the secondary but the third bin but second flour bin uh you take some like buttermilk and stuff and you kind of put it in there and mush it up together so it gets little like kind of nubbins like chunks of mm. flour oh. so then that coats it again right. and that's where you get those big crags and like of, of fried exactly that you want. Yeah. yes yeah. and so then you fry it and it doesn't have to be deep fried but you want a high-sided pot like a dutch oven like an inch or so either side flip it over and the reason I think this works is that you can fry them and then put them on like a cooling rack, you know, like a yeah. cookie rack with the little racks so they don't sit in their own grease. And you can just keep them warm. Yeah. And then when it's time to eat, you then assemble your sandwich. I had some coleslaw, some avocado, a little hot sauce. It was quite good. This sounds good. Yeah, right? Yeah. And then, you know, you have cocktails. And I think, though, I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, Please. With the Oscars, however, we're East Coasters. And this, I, I don't like the fact that we're East Coasters for these sort of things because the Oscars doesn't start till eight p.m. Right? Yeah, eight or eight thirty. Sometimes it's eight right? thirty, and it goes till for, midnight. Yeah. So I think you kind of, I'm kind of like a lot of times the food is coming out during the red carpet, right? Which is fun. Yeah. yeah. Because that's a whole thing also. Do you get involved in that as a critic? Uh, at the red carpet? Yes. I um, I watch it, yeah, um, both as critic, I guess, and as just kind of appalled 
<laughs> spectator, especially these days when, you know, we have all these political things happening, Me Too and all that, the, the inanity of some of like the E coverage or whatever, mm. is just does not match the seriousness of the moment. No. Um, which I think is fascinating. In a but they of, still have to ask, who, who are you wearing? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Like, fanatically and breathlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, always. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and because they have to feed that information then to their fashion correspondents and yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about this year's best pictures or just in general, any notable food scenes from the Oscars this year? You know, it's funny. Um, we had Carla Lolly music on our podcast, Mm -hmm. little gold men. And, uh, I was reminded uh, of how many food scenes there are in, in this year's nominees, um, between Calm by your names, peach, you know, scene. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I, I've seen like nothing, but go. But yeah, I'm familiar well, with it. Um, guys, a, a, guys. A teenage yeah. boy ha- has a, a relations with a peach. <laughs> uh, let's say um, from that, there's a very th- ripe peach. Yeah, there's these yes. beautiful Italians. It's you know, it's summer. Yeah, it's everything it's is Italy, you know, perfect. it's all a metaphor yes. for sex. Uh, there's that. There's uh, they eat a lot of hard boiled eggs in the shape of water, which is not a food I like. But like they <laughs> somehow make it romantic weirdly in that movie. And then in two different movies set in in England around the same time you have Phantom Thread which has a lot of breakfast food and notably toast uh, loudly <laughs> toast. buttered toast much oh, I like that yeah 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 and and Daniel Day-Lewis's character is infuriated by the, the noise uh, and then you have Gary Oldman's Winston Churchill being served this this heaping breakfast w- complete with booze and champagne and everything can we can we talk about that for a second yeah a, I want to talk about why there aren't more food scenes in movies like food scenes yeah. are basically the sex scenes of movies but you, they can be for all ages, yeah, they're very sen- they can be very sensual. Oh, absolutely, and, suggestive, and people and people remember them. Like we can talk about the food scene in Goodfellas, mm-hmm. like when they're in the jail and shaving mm-hmm. the, the garlic, and everyone remembers it. Yeah, yeah, it's such a visceral thing. And you know, I, I sometimes wonder. You know, I can watch Project Runway, and I'm like, okay, I can see the clothes. I can make an assessment of whether they the, the dress looks good or whatever. And yet I still watch Top Chef with the same rapt oh, attention, yeah. even though I can't taste the food. I'm just kind of trusting Padma and Tom to tell me if it's good or not. But there's something so visceral about watching them make it and even watching people eat it. It's not easy to do because I think there's been some a lot of mediocre food films. Yeah. I thought I thought Chef was kind of like a I thought the food scenes in Chef with um with what's his name? Uh, Tom, uh John Favreau. John Favreau yeah. and, and everybody and it was kind of I don't want to say a B movie, but you know, it's what a little formulaic, but the scenes where he's making the grilled cheese and it's like shh and then yeah. crunching it in half and it was it, it was passionate and loving the food scenes in the way that the um, the movie with what's his name from Silver Linings Playbook, uh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, his burnt burnt was yeah. not. I watched that. And I'm like, I didn't believe that anyone in that movie actually cared about food. Yeah, that movie did not interact with its food. The Chef, I, I think, is such a I thought was such a pleasurable experience because it just really leaned into yeah. the preparation, and you could tell the yeah. people who work were working on it that they knew really believed. Yeah. It. Burnt was supposed to be more of one of the angry London chefs from the 90s sort of thing and Michelin three star. But it was just like it was that sort of food as presentation. And you're like, eh. yeah, the, pro- the the product didn't so much matter as much as the process. And I, I don't know. Um, but like I'm somebody who watches, you know, I just I, th- I find that like watching cooking process really calming and and, yes. and, and and really mesmerizing. And so I like a movie like Chef where they actually show you the them doing it rather than, you know, we just have to trust that Bradley Cooper is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Do you watch The Queen? The uh, Crown. The Crown. Crown. I yes. do watch The Crown. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I work for Vanity Fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to be, be up on the Royals. Yeah. You yeah. have a new editor in chief for Dika Jones. I'm I'm curious to know like whether there will be the same fixation on on the Royals and in your Anglophilic ways in the coming year. I I think that it will remain. I I think that maybe the tone will change. I don't know. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're we're still we're still deep in yeah. on that. 
so speaking of Winston Churchill, and I don't, you watch that, and I'm in it right now, and love the show. The amount of alcohol and tobacco they consume oh, yeah. on a daily basis, yeah. all day, every day. I can't. What, I, well, I don't understand it, how people actually did that. I, and people did. I mean, Princess Margaret, who was probably the chief person consuming that stuff, Elizabeth's sister, she really was that in real life, and it really took a toll on her later in life. But she she lasted a good seventy something years doing that it's every, like, it's every like, day. It's like they've got the yeah. like Keith Richards DNA. And Churchill in the yeah. in the show was already about seventy nine or eighty. <laughs> yeah. And he's always got a drink in his and a cigar in his hand. Oh yeah, he was he was notorious as well. Like from new you know, from morning to, to night. The level of liquor would change. It would start kind of lighter and then yeah. go to <laughs> go to brown by the yeah, end. Champagne. It would yeah. get darker, darker. Um but, but you, like, yeah. Philip, the husband, uh now Prince is he, he's not he's, he's never, Prince, yeah. He never became yeah. king. That yeah. whole, I never understood that. But he's constantly just grabbing a rocks glass and pouring himself some scotch. Yeah. Like in the middle yeah. of the day. Yeah. Like what are you doing? I, I, I mean how do you function? But yeah <laughs> let alone your liver, but like you have to like talk to people and make decisions and like yes. you know, I don't uh, yeah. A couple other random questions. Yeah. Well how often do you ever just go to the theater to see a film or do you not these days? It's very rare that I do this time of year, uh, January, February. Obviously, we're looking forward to the Oscars, but like the movies coming out aren't always that exciting. And so, like, I didn't go to see a screening of Fifty Shades Free, the, the third, you know, installment in that. So, I'll, I'll, I might go pay to see that. I definitely want to. No, you're you know, not going to. I, know, go I might. Pay to see I that. might do it. No, I have some not. friends who want to see it. Um, the other one that is Paddington Two. I missed oh, a screening of it. I hear it's wonderful. Paddington. So. One or the first Paddington, uh, I took my kid. I very much enjoyed That's that. That's a nice one. movie. Very yeah. charming. Yeah. yeah. And it has who plays the dad? Oh, the guy from Oh Hugh Bonneville. And is, yeah, was he the Downton one? Abbey. Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's and Nicole good. Kidman's the villain in the first one, yes. and I believe Hugh Grant is the villain in the second one. Yeah, so I, I might do that, but the, my problem is, is that like I, I know we have like Alamo Draft House here in New York now, oh, and we yes. have all these other theaters. What do you think but, about those? So. You know, I haven't. I've only been to a theater where they serve food once, and that was in Boston. I was home visiting my parents over Thanksgiving last year, I think it was, and my my parents were like, "Oh, we have this new, you know, theater. It's really fancy, whatever." So we went, and the movie we chose to see was Manchester by the Sea, oh, which God. you know, Massachusetts set movie. <laughs> I'd seen it bef- already, but wait. My... So you you just you agreed to go see Manchester by the Sea with your parents? Yeah, I hadn't seen like... it. In, I saw it at Sundance, so it had been months since uh-huh. I'd seen it, and I just wanted to go to this fancy theater because I'd never experienced that before. And it was it was nice, and the seats were nice, and the food was fine. But because this is a wait service, yep. about fifteen minutes before the end of the movie, they have to drop they have to go around dropping yes. checks, and it just happened to coincide with Michelle Williams's big monologue she's crying about their dead children and it's the it's the clip they showed in all of her you know oscar reels and all that stuff and they're going around dropping checks and people are reaching for their wallets and i was like okay this is a breakdown of the system like this they have to either wait or whatever so i i find that any like we were talking about before like any kind of distraction like that it really takes away from the experience i am i am visibly if not audibly shaking my head right now and I, i i've been to one there's one down here at the seaport in downtown manhattan called the i pick -Pick. yeah and they got the big like you know, first class airline seats and you press the button and the waiter and A, I find my mind focusing too much on the food and beverages. Yeah. B, they use way too much truffle oil, which drives <laughs> me nuts. I'm like, no, I don't want truffle oil on French fries. Stop with the truffle oil already. Everything's yeah. a little bit too complicated by half. And then thirdly, yeah, the, the check sort of thing. And then you look at the check, you're like, oh my God, I spent how much? And like, then, well, then, yeah. Then that's yeah. astounding. Yeah. If you are going to a normal Cineplex, are you a snack guy? I am. Yeah, I'm 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 usually a pretty boring popcorn person but uh, with with like 
a lot of butter on it. So if, you if, do the the, the oh, squirt yeah. thing. Yeah. But don't you want them to be able to? I always feel like. Can you fill it up halfway? I'll do the squirt, and then I'll bring it back, and you yep. fill it up the other half, and I'll do the squirt on top? At the Landmark Sunshine, which is now no longer closed uh, last month uh, on Houston in, in, yep. in the East Village, there was one person who worked the counter who would do that. Yeah, see, and he, like he would that. say, do you want butter? And then he would fill it up a third, do some butter, then another third. But a lot of the ones, they have like the self-serve butter. Yeah, it's a self-serve. Yeah, yeah but which, then, you're, then you're already filled up at that point. And I always feel this shame because I, I don't put on as much as I want because people are like waiting behind yeah, me and I just yeah. feel embarrassed. Um, but you need to grab yeah. a lot of napkins. You do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned that lesson uh, the hard way. Someone introduced me recently. I think it was like in a TV show or a movie and then they tried it and I tried is if you get popcorn if it's in one of the tubs versus a bag mm-hmm. you can put like some kind of chocolatey or peanut buttery candy in, in oh, into yes. the popcorn yeah. so you're kind of getting That's a, a sweet move. salty thing what would you do what would you put in uh, like maybe some like uh, Reese's Pieces maybe mm. that's a good one. Yeah. Peanut M and M's. Peanut M and M's would be great. Yeah. So I think that that kind of mixes. I mean, you know, your dentist is going to kill you, but yeah, like, whatever. Whatever. Okay, we're going to get to the your picks. Yeah. Uh, okay, best picture. I'm going to run yeah. down. There's a lot. There's nine this year. Yeah. Call me by your name. Darkest hour. Speaking of Winston, Dunkirk. Also kind of a Winston movie. Well, not really, but. British. He's he's there yes. in, in virtually, yes. yeah. Get out, Lady Bird, mm-hmm. Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. What do you think will win, and what would you like to win? What I would like to win would be Get Out. I think that there is it's such an innovative, interesting movie. Um, I think it speaks to our times yep. much more, you know, closely than than a lot of stuff this year. I don't think it will win. I think what will win because when people are voting for uh, academy members are voting for best picture, there's this weird preferential ballot thing. So it has there's all this math involved. Yeah. And we had someone on our podcast uh, last week um, who basically broke it all down, and he said that it's not what people vote for number one. It's actually what people are going to vote for like four or five on their ballots. He thinks, and I, I agree with him. But wait, him. but it, how do they tabulate? Is it only first place? So yeah, so yeah, we, right. And then and then if your ballot has one movie that, that didn't get enough first place votes, then they go to your number two. And that mm. counts for first. So it's this whole weird But it's also thing. confusing with this many nominees. You could get 13% of the vote right. and still exactly. win. And this year especially is so crowded. So th- so this is why we think it's gonna maybe going to go down to what's m- most often four or five on people's ballots because they're going to keep throwing out number one votes or whatever. Uh, so we th- anyway, Dunkirk is the one that we're, we're predicting. No, no because, Dunkirk yeah. is not winning. Uh, well, I mean, Dun- we'll see. It, yeah. A, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. A, not enough people saw it. Correct. It wasn't like a big money Hollywood sort of thing. I mean, I think people saw it. It's been out for so long. I mean, but not. You know. It was. It didn't do crazy gangbuster numbers. It wasn't it like de- huge. it was decent. Yeah, yeah. You know. Also, why? Right. This is America, and it's not saving Private Ryan. It's about a bunch of British guys at that's war, yeah. not a bunch of American yeah. soldiers yeah. at war. Yeah. So that's why it's not yeah. going to win. Yeah. If it doesn't win, I think it will be Shape of Water. Yes. Because people love that movie. I think Del Toro probably will win Best Director. Uh, he's beloved in the industry, and it's, you know... People... Innovative guy. Yeah, and he has this kind of, like, overdue quality about, like, the people are like, I can't what believe should he What should he have won for, in your mind? Pan's Labyrinth, I think. Oh, interesting. Which is a beautiful movie, yeah. That Shape of Water is on my wife's uh, date night list. That's what we're I supposed to see, and yeah. we, we, that's what we've been trying to see, and just has not really happened yet. Do I need to see The Post? I've already seen All the President's Men, like, five times. Yeah, I mean, The Post is fine. I would say that would be a great movie to watch on a plane. I love Lady Bird. I don't think that's got a... No, I think, yeah. you know, and these should not be taken with, you know, given too much credit, but um, certain trades, like Hollywood Reporter or The Rap, will do conversations with anonymous Oscar voters, 
and something that they a lot of them have said is like I like Lady Bird but they they kind of call it small yeah. or whatever yeah, you know well, so I think yeah. that's it's a, it's a nice film yeah it could win screenplay right. but I doubt it lead actor do I pronounce his name Timothy 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 I mean Timothy who, who the hell knows Chalamet yeah, yeah. he went to, he went to yeah, public he high school in New York his yeah, name is yeah, Timothy his yeah. name is Timmy he dated Madonna's daughter yeah call me by your name Daniel Day Lewis Phantom Thread Daniel Kaluuya Get Out Gary Old. Goldman, Darkest Hour, and Denzel. It sounds like we just get to call him Denzel. Roman J. Israel Esquire. I've never even heard of that movie. Very few people saw that movie. Uh, I am one of them. I think that Timothee... Not a strong uh, not, not a strong year. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great Best Actor year, although there, you know, there's some good stuff. There's great stuff in there. I think you don't think it just Kalea's goes to Daniel great. Day because he's Daniel Day-Lewis? No, I think Gary Oldman's definitely going to win. Um, Gary Oldman. Yeah, again, okay. it's like he's overdue, whatever. Yeah, um, oh, he's never won. No, and he was only oh, nominated amazing. for the first time a few years oh, ago, okay, yeah. so I'd I think he'll win. I, I would love Timothy Chalamet to win, but no. Also, Timothy Chalamet, mm-hmm. he is the one bad thing in Lady Bird. That was like a caricature of a character. He's not great in that. One-dimensional, yeah. yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah I don't, I, I sprawl my own cigarettes. Right. I'm not into currency. It's just like, dude, <laughs> come on. He's like, bad boy. Uh, lead actress, Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water, Frances McDormand, Three Billboards, Margot Robbie, I, Tanya. Sharice? Saoirse. Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Her real accent in real life is amazing. When you oh, hear her talk, uh, yeah. From Lady Bird and Meryl, yeah. Meryl, which is called Meryl from The Post. Yeah, Francis, Meryl Denzel. We can yeah. we can use one name. Francis uh, has got this locked up. Francis is going to win. Sally should win. Yeah, that's what I think. Director. <laughs> so you got... I think, yeah, Del Toro will win. All right, Christopher Nolan from Dunkirk. From yeah. a technical standpoint, he could maybe... I mean, the crazy thing about it is that like he has never been nominated before. This is his first nomination. Dunkirk is undeniably a masterful feat of direction. Yes. I think the thing that's that's holding him back in that category is that that movie, while technically marvelous, doesn't have a lot of heart to it. There's not a lot of emotion to it. It's kind of cold, as a lot of yeah. his films are. And yes. I think that people just aren't connecting with that. I would say Jordan Peele doesn't have a chance in that he's going up against Nolan and P.T. Anderson and Guillermo del Toro. I think that Gerwig and Peele being nominated is is, the, is, is the yes. win and for them, got essentially. It, it, yeah. it seems like that with the Oscars sometimes. It's yeah. almost like, hey, you've got a... Yeah. you got to go through it a few and times before you earn it. Greta Gerwig is only the fifth woman ever nominated wow, for Best Director, crazy. which is oh, crazy. I've seen, yeah. i got to imagine that's going to change. Yeah, I hope so. Richard Lawson, thank you so much for joining us. That was fun. Thanks for having me. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies, with additional music by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.